Interestingly enough, uh, starting a series today uh, that I chose to call Success and Significance, uh, looking at some lessons from the life of Joseph. And again, Joseph is one of my favorite characters. Uh, there is a lot for us to learn from him, and as you'll see uh, as we work through this series. But as I talk about success and significance, uh, as most of you know, I chose to abandon social media uh, a couple of years ago. So putting my messages online is the closest thing I have to putting stuff out there. And because I'm not on social media and don't have a lot of public exposure right now in other ways, I wanted to find a way to publicly acknowledge uh, that as I think about success and significance, uh, one of the most important elements in my life is the fact that yesterday um, I had the privilege of celebrating uh, 45 years of marriage to Diana. And as I think about success and significance, um, I can say without reservation that it is incredibly humbling to realize that over 45 years ago, God when I was still incredibly clueless, God understood just the helpmate that I needed in my life to help me as I journeyed along and attempted to find both success and significance. And I just wanted to find some way to publicly acknowledge that. And so thank you for indulging me with regard to that. With regard to Joseph's life, I just want to quickly review the genealogy of God's chosen people. In Genesis, God spoke to Abraham and said, cast a vision for Abraham to um, raise up a race of individuals that would be God's chosen people. And Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, and God chose to work through the line of Isaac. And Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob, and God chose to work through Jacob to continue to develop this race of chosen people. Uh, again, many of you are familiar with the story, but Jacob had two wives, Rachel and Leah. Uh, also, each of those wives had a maidservant who also bore children uh, to Jacob. And in total, Jacob had 12 sons, <clears throat> um, and they became uh, the forefathers for the tribes of Israel. There's a whole lot more to that story that I will not uh, not go into. But from those 12 sons, uh, Joseph was one. And uh, Joseph, uh, I think is was fair to say, he was definitely the firstborn son of Rachel, who was the favorite wife of the four that Abraham or that uh, Jacob had children with. Uh, Rachel was the favorite, and jo- Joseph was the firstborn of her of her children and so there's kind of a a unique relationship there and i think excuse me joseph does have something uh to teach us with regard to success and significance and please understand i'm not suggesting that we have to choose nor am i suggesting that success and significance are mutually exclusive but sometimes on our life journey it can be helpful to wrestle with which we would choose if we did have to make the choice. Would we opt for success or would we choose instead to pursue significance? They're not mutually exclusive, but sometimes our choices can lead more in one direction or the other. Success can sometimes be found in the short term, but significance generally requires us to take the long view. 
Um, I'm going to take a few weeks to unpack some things from the life of Joseph, Joseph that highlight that while God can always work in an instant, and let me say that, God can always work in an instant, he often chooses to work in a lifetime or beyond. We do not always see the immediate result of God's work in our lives. In both my personal experience and in my observation of others, it can be difficult to hold out for significance when success seems elusive. And I just want to paraphrase. In Genesis chapter 37, we begin to, to get into Joseph's life a little bit more. And I'm going to give you the quick Cliff Notes version. And nobody knows what Cliff Notes are anymore. I'm going to give you a quick, Jeff does. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick uh, thumbnail sketch uh, of the experience and then going to unpack it a little bit more. So you've got, you've got multiple sons with multiple different mothers all working, living together. And if you had siblings, you know sometimes with siblings there can be issues, all right? And so at 17 years old, when Joseph was 17 years old, most of his brothers were older, uh, there was some conflict with his brothers, which resulted in Joseph being beaten and thrown into a pit. The original plan was to throw him into a pit and leave him there to die. One of the brothers had a spontaneous attack of conscience and said, uh, maybe we shouldn't kill him. Uh, but we're really irritated with him. So the solution was, we'll pull him out of the pit and we'll sell him into slavery to some folks who are passing by and they'll haul him off to a foreign land. We'll never have to deal with him again and we'll tell dad that a wild beast killed him and it'll be the end of the story. Obviously, it's not the end of the story or I wouldn't be talking about it. But what happened to Joseph, can we just say, what happened to Joseph was not fair. It, it, I mean, it's not fair when your brothers beat you up, throw you into a pit, and sell you into slavery, all right? Even if you're a jerk, it's not fair, all right? It was not part of Joseph's plan. It, when Joseph at 17, maybe he did it at 16, and he ran, wrote out his life plan and, and his bucket list and all that he wanted to do and being accomplished, I'm pretty sure being beaten by your brothers, thrown into a pit, and sold into slavery and hauled off to a foreign land was not his plan. It wasn't fair. It wasn't his plan. Nor did he deserve it. The way we look at the world, we tend to think that our older brothers should have been looking out for him instead of betraying him. I've been blessed. I only have one sibling. I have an older sister. And from the time I was yay high, she's looked out for me. I think until I got this job, every other job I'd had was because my sister set it up for me. And, you know, to me, that's what we think, the way it's supposed to work. But for Joseph, uh, it didn't quite work out that way. And what I want you to, to unpack with me today is three questions that it could be beneficial to ask ourselves when we feel like we're getting picked on, when we feel like the deck is stacked against us, or when we feel like we just can't catch a break. <clears throat> three questions we might want to ask ourselves. The first one comes very naturally. What's their problem? Why are they doing this to me? And that's a very, very natural question. 
And sometimes we ask it with a certain tone that is not what I'm going for. The way I'm using that phrase today is to to say, what was going on in the life of Joseph's brothers that may have contributed to the way that they chose to treat him? Now, please understand, my objective is not to make excuses for their behavior but to look for genuine understanding. And, and I think, again, we're not just talking about Joseph here. We're talking about our lives. And sometimes when stuff's happening, it's beneficial to take a step back and say, what's going on behind the scene that may help me to make sense of some of this? And, and I'm just going to open to Genesis chapter 37. <clears throat> For those of you who have not seen it for a while, yes, I do have a Bible, and I do open it, even though usually I put passages up there. Okay, this is just part of my routine. But I'm going to pick up with Genesis chapter 37 and just highlight a couple of verses, starting with verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Oh, maybe that had something to do with this taking a beating and being thrown in the pit. You think maybe? Again, I'm not justifying their behavior and their attitudes were not healthy, but there was something going on here that sometimes it's easy to overlook when you just think about this poor old Joseph got a beaten and thrown in the pit and sold into slavery. So that begins to give us some understanding. And then we go a little bit further, further starting with verse 5. Joseph had a dream. Now, now again, maybe you have different experience, all right? But generally, if I'm in relationship with people and they hate me, I have a clue, all right? Sometimes, I, I get it, sometimes I can be clueless and I will concede that, but generally you kind of got a feeling that eh, there's a little something here. So maybe Joseph had a clue, maybe he didn't, but we pick up with verse 5. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Oh, maybe this beating thing is starting to make even a little bit more sense. Not justifying it, not saying what they did was right. But it starts to make a little bit more sense when we say, well, what's their problem? And then we pick up with verse 9. Now, now again, you've heard the term reading the room. Do you think that as Joseph is telling his brothers about this dream and this anger is welling up within me, do you think maybe he could have picked up on that? And read the room and thought, hmm, don't know. But verse 9, then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. 
Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Interesting thought. Was it really the best decision to share the first dream? Maybe he's naive and he's just excited and this is really weird. But after you begin to sense some resistance, you have another dream and then you run and say, Hey guys, what a great day. I've had another dream. It just kind of, you know, again, heard the expression pouring gas on the fire here. But then let's backtrack a little bit. I skipped verse 2 when I started out in 37. Verse 2, it says, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. So now we got the little brother hanging out with the older brothers. Now, again, the bad report may have been justified. They could have been doing a terrible job of tending the sheep and dad needed to know about it. But some of you have younger siblings. I was the younger sibling. Sometimes I might have told my parents something because I couldn't physically dominate my sister yet. So that was the only recourse I had was to bring a negative report. Not saying that that Joseph's report was wrong, but you just have to wonder. And now we jump down to verse 11. says, his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And then jumping ahead to verse 14. So all of this baggage has taken place, and now the brothers are out tending the sheep again. In verse 14, Jacob says to Joseph, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. All of a sudden, this whole reaction of his brothers when he showed up takes on a little different perspective. Again, not justifying their behavior in any way, shape, or form but suggesting that when we feel someone is mistreating us, maybe it would be beneficial to ask God to help us understand what is going on in their life that may have triggered their behavior. Perhaps we may be in a position to help address the situation and maybe eliminate the mistreatment. Trust me. Trust me, this is a a lesson I have attempted to learn over and over and over and over and over again after a career of relating with people. Someone once told me, anger flows from hurt, hurt flows from need, meet the need instead of reacting to the anger. Now trust me. When somebody's up in my face angry, 
my first response, my gut response is not, gee, I wonder what the need is. No, there's an adrenaline release that doesn't naturally incline me to stop and think, what what might be going on in their life? What What could be happening in their life that I just bumbled my way into? So, again, one of the questions that we can learn from Joseph's example as we think about a journey from success to significance or embracing both success and significance is what what's their problem? Asking God to give us deeper insight beyond the initial outward behavior. Next question is very similar. What's my problem? A friend once told me, if one person calls you a donkey, you can ignore it. If two people call you a donkey, it may be time to start looking for a saddle. What's my problem? Am I doing something that provokes people or contributes to their mistreatment of me? If yes, is it something I should continue? And I say, is it? It's a question. Because if we're being persecuted for righteousness' sake, we cannot stop just to eliminate real or perceived mistreatment. However, if our perceived mistreatment is in response to optional, marginal, or questionable behavior on our part, maybe there's something we need to change. So as I think about what's their problem, it's important to say, what's my problem? If we look carefully, as I've kind of hinted at, if we look carefully at the story of Joseph, we can see how he may have minimized the mistreatment if he had shown a bit more discretion. The role of the informant. Now, Jacob had lots of other servants. Would it have been an option for Joseph as a 17-year-old to say, Dad, you know, when I go out and I come back and give you a report about my brothers, it, it kind of doesn't help our relationship. Could you maybe send another servant to do that? I don't know if that was an option, but sometimes we have to think, what what are the options to change the situation? I have to wonder, knowing human nature, excuse me, knowing my own nature, did Joseph kind of like the role of informant? It's a question you have to ask. And sometimes I have to ask, Am I contributing to a situation, and I'm okay with that, because I like the role it puts me in? Then there's this coat of many colors. I, I kind of scooted past that. Many of you have heard it from, you know, probably a VBS somewhere. And, you know, God makes him this fancy, ornate coat. Now, Jacob was not wrong for making him the coat. Joseph was not wrong for having the coat. But again, acknowledging sometimes our human inclinations, did Joseph have to wear the coat all the time, or did he choose to wear the coat all the time? Was there anything about the way he 
chose to utilize that coat that just kept twisting and yanking the chain of his brothers. Pretty shabby coat you got there. I mean, we don't know. I don't want to project onto the situation. But it does speak to asking the question, am I contributing to the situation? And the dreams, you, you already heard me kind of hint at the dreams. But what motivated him to share the first dream? Was it sure innocent, sheer innocence and naivety? Just, this is weird. You know, sometimes I, I, I'm one of those people who rarely remembers my dreams. But for those people who do, sometimes it's just so bizarre, you gotta tell somebody. I, I, this is just the weirdest thing ever. Maybe that was the case. Maybe he had an inclination of what that dream might be suggesting. I don't know. But what was his motivation in sharing it? And then the question I already touched on is, should their response to the first dream have influenced his decision to share the second dream? Again, God had a plan. I'm going to touch on that in just a moment. So all of this, there was a purpose. But in our lives, sometimes we get off course because we don't stop and think about how we may be contributing to the situations in which we find ourselves. I know, at least for me, it can be very uncomfortable. But sometimes as we think about what's my problem, it's wise to take a good hard look in the mirror and check your heart to determining what's contributing to the challenges you're facing in any way, shape, or form. Again, your experience may be different than mine, but for me, that's usually a really miserable process. But it can be necessary. Sometimes it's important to have some godly counsel. Again, the whole context of how he told his dad. You just wonder, did he go and say, Dad, I'm confused about this. Help me understand it. Or was it presented in a different way? It's always important. When it seems like we're being picked on, discriminated against, can't catch a break, it can be wise to ask ourselves if we're showing discretion in how we relate to those who are mistreating us and to see if we're contributing to the problem. And then the last one that I just hinted at is what is God's plan? I suspect many of you are the same way that I am in that there are some verses that are just a go-to verse when life is not going the way you want it to go. And for me, as I think about what's God's plan, Jeremiah 29.11 is one of those. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, personally, and I won't inflict my shortcomings on any of you, but personally... I would rather prosper now than have 
a hope and a future of prospering somewhere down the road. I'm just a simple guy. But sometimes that's not the plan he has. And as I think about this idea of success and significance, in those times when success can seem hard to come by, or when you begin to be overwhelmed with feelings that life is not fair, or that everybody is ganging up on you, one thing that can help, trust me, in my experience, it's not instantaneous and it doesn't all go away in a heartbeat, but it can help to try to see the big picture. Could it be that success seems elusive because God is cultivating significance? As I have said repeatedly, while teaching on a variety of different subjects, in 2021, the human race is generally not really good on waiting. It's now. Again, why would I wait for shipping tomorrow if I can pay a little extra and get it shipped today? And why don't I live in a larger area where I can get two-hour delivery instead of 24-hour delivery? I've joked about it before, but when we think of the human condition, back when you could go inside to fast food restaurants, some of you remember the olden days when you could go inside. But how many of us pulled in and saw too many cars in the drive-thru and parked and ran inside quick because we thought it would be faster? How many of us go through the drive-thru now because we think that's going to be faster? Friends, sometimes taking the long view is not easy for us. Especially, especially when life is uncomfortable right now. This whole plans to give me hope and a future. I don't want to wait. I want it now. In Joseph's case, somehow, I, I just, I cannot wrap my head, and we're going to unpack Joseph's life more in the weeks to come. But in Joseph's case, he chose to keep doing what was right every time someone did him wrong, and every time he couldn't seem to catch a break, he just kept choosing to do what was right. Somehow he maintained this pattern for a year, and then another 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 year. It was 20 years before that beating and being thrown in the pit finally started to make sense to him. That's a hard place for me to get to. And I'm sure many of us know folks where that didn't even happen in their lifetime. They never perceived success in this lifetime, but when they were gone, we saw the significance of what they did. 
for me, that part of Joseph's life just kind of grabs me by the scruff of the neck and shakes me. And I don't say this easily. But sometimes we have to wrestle with that. I have to believe. Again, Joseph's life, the whole slavery thing, and thrown in prison, and just one thing after another, people doing him wrong and mistreating him. I have to believe, as Joseph is getting beaten by his brothers, he didn't feel very successful. When he's thrown in that pit and left to die, I don't think he felt very successful. As he's being carted off as a slave to a foreign land, I don't think he felt very successful. I doubt anywhere in that process did he say, Oh, hallelujah, God's got a wonderful plan. He's going to prosper me and I have a hope for a future. I think he's probably saying, This really hurts. I don't like this at all. Let's change the plan. But after years, he discovered God-ordained significance in all of that. And I just encourage you to join me in asking, what's their problem? What's my problem? But more importantly, what's God's plan? You know, hopefully, it'll start to make sense. But again, I I just asked myself this morning, God's still God even when my life doesn't make sense. I don't like that feeling. I like it to make sense. I like it to not hurt. But it doesn't change who God is. And it doesn't change how much he cares for us. Pray with me. Father, you know I don't say any of these things with ease. And I don't want to give anyone the illusion that all they got to do is ask those three questions and life's going to stop hurting. Hopefully it will for them. I know that's not been my experience. But when I finally force myself to stop, Father, and realize you're still God, and your plan is way bigger than me, and I just have to choose to seek you and to trust you, and to keep stepping forward. And so, Father, I don't know what anybody else is dealing with today, but I pray that if anyone is struggling with that feeling of mistreatment or not being able to catch a break or any of that stuff, I pray that your Spirit would come over them and speak to them, that you would stir in their hearts, you would help them to look at others differently, you would help them to look at themselves differently, And you'd help them to realize that while it may not be instant gratification, it may not be fast food drive through but you do have plans for us, each and every one of us. And they are plans to prosper us. And you desire, no matter how much it hurts, 
you to desire to give us a hope and a future that honors you and is significant in your sight because ultimately that's what matters. Meet us where we are, Father, and help us to move to where you desire to see us be. We thank you, Father. Amen.